And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program today and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. Joining me just in a little while here will be our beat writer, Patrick Lyons, as we continue our conversation a little bit on some of the best pitchers in Rockies history, but by this point, it had developed into a conversation about the current state of the Colorado Rockies roster, the contracts, the core of the team, a kind of, if you had to pick just one or two, which ones are you taking? How will the Rockies be able to maneuver? How much more important are whatever the next several games they're going to play going to be? And so... Yeah, we're we just going to jump right into all of it. Make sure you've cracked open your Breck beer. Make sure you're nice and manscaped. You're nice, clean, fresh, and ready to go. Uh, you've got your Mile High Green Cross situation taken care of. And you're ready to join the conversation. This is one that had a lot of live conversation as we were doing it. If you want to get involved, hit us up on Twitter. The best way to do it is to go and leave a comment on the podcast on the website. We will definitely see it. If you do that and, uh, you know, try to remember to join us for those lives whenever you can be on the lookout on Facebook, Twitch and Twitter, uh, all, all of that information will go out there for you. So uh, I hope you're ready for a little uh, barbershop at the bar style baseball talk, because that's what it was here uh, with myself and Patrick Lyons. Let's jump right back into it. Correct me if I'm wrong. There haven't been too many guys that the Rockies have made an offer to that have turned it down, at least not like official, like in any kind of major capacity. I don't think so. So if they were to do that, I would imagine it would be, Hey, you know, we're going to offer you this guaranteed money kind of on our terms of what, how we value it. Um, and I'm sure it'll be plenty generous, but John Gray and his agent, I have to imagine, you know, are going to be thinking that there's someone out there, that is going to give him at least Tyler Chatwood money, right? <laughs> going to get that Tyler Chatwood money. Are, are the Rockies going to offer John Gray Chatwood money, right? Are they going to be giving him, you know, $50 million for the next few years? Do they essentially have that to give? I know Blackman's money is going to be coming off the books. Desmond is already, you know, yeah, he's on the roster oh, until the end of next year, but um, but he, he's not really getting paid for the next two seasons. We know the relievers are coming off the books. Right. Um, I think but, he's going to get that reliever money. I think that Wade Davis money, once that Wade Davis money comes off, that goes into the John Gray account. But but you sign him, then you don't sign David Dahl. And you definitely don't aren't able to sign Trevor Story. So it's it's it, right. everything is all tied together. It's this rat king of tails just stuck together, and it's going to be hard to just pull one out in that sense. So it, it will be very interesting. They, they have at least one more year with the, the two potentially three-headed monster 
of Marquez Gray and Kyle Freeland. Right. The the thing that will really benefit them, obviously, will be if that third piece falls in where it needs to because they'll have all the leverage in the world then with a kid who has no interest in pitching anywhere else if he ends up turning it around and being <laughs> awesome. He wants to be the mayor of Denver. I, I think he could be elected the mayor of Denver if he want, wanted to be. Probably not a good idea, but <laughs> uh, that, that would be interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Will Will brings up Holiday was the last one of their own guys I can remember that didn't sign an offer. And then he got himself traded for Cargo and Houston Street. And, you know, fair enough. You know, that's you know, that's how the business works sometimes. So that's, so, sounds to me like Will is is might may be surmising that you could expect next offseason a extension for John Gray or trade. Now the question is, you know, who's more likely to get dealt? And that's that's a um, a subject for a different podcast. Is it John Gray or is it Trevor Story? If you got guys on with one year left next year, twenty twenty one, it's the last year for Gray and for Story. Who do you deal? Or do you, you, you maybe you don't deal anybody? But you want my you, you want to. my unpopular answer to the question? Oh yeah, trade Nolan. Trade Nolan. Keep the I, I I honestly think if if you if it's the scenario if you can afford to keep them all keep them all. I actually think the core of the team is going to continue to be better. You got to build better around them. You got to get smarter in bullpen and bench construction, but. People know how I feel about the core of the team. If it's Story, Gray, Dahl, and you know a little bit more money for Freeland and extend Marquez, all up against Nolan, and he's not happy. Trade Nolan. Yeah, and and you'd have to be able to to resign Story and Freeland, or excuse me, Story and and Gray, and I, I think that's. Pretty hard to do, especially when those guys are only a year away. Like, why didn't that happen last offseason? Like that that was, you know, we 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 talked about it in the press box where it was like, okay, and, and we got the Marquez, right? Marquez signed, and it was like, oh boy. And the season had already gone on, right? It was, it was this was the first weekend of the year when they announced when they announced Marquez signing and extension and all that. And it was like, okay, the ship has kind of sailed probably on story and gray. And that's, you know, most likely because those two parties you know, really show me the money, show me the money. Cause they're worth it. Are they not? I mean, Trevor's story very clearly. Now we can see yeah. he should get, you know, big money as the top, you know, one of the top shortstops in the game. And then John gray. All right. Hey, you want to talk about my ERA? You sent me down to the minors in 2018, things of that nature. All right. You don't want to pay me what you think I'm worth, but I know what I'm worth. And I think I can get more than that. So I'm going to bet on myself. You know, John Gray is going to want to bet on himself after the 2021 season. So, but like a couple of us are, are a couple of the guys that are, are chatting Tommy and will, it sounds like they think stories, the guy that if you had to deal one, you deal because that's the guy you're going to get the most value back, right? John Gray could be another Jason Hamill. You trade him, you get something good, but it isn't until his next trade or his next contract that he really tops out at his value. But Trevor story, Everybody in baseball knows what he's worth. That might be enough to help sustain your franchise for the next couple of years. Yeah, I just I don't think it helps you with the the financial part. I think you're you're in just as tough a bind financially if you move out story, then you know you're still not gonna be able to sign 
some of these other guys, like if you lose Story and Gray, I think you're in a really tight spot, especially if it's proven that Gray can pitch at Coors in particular. That just drives up his value to your franchise particularly more. Uh, Tommy asks, do we think that Gray would take a similar deal that Marquez took? I think it's going to take a bit more than that at this point. I think it's uh, he's just done more in his career. He's a bit older. He's closer to free agency. Uh, there's more of a resume there that you can believe in a bit. He's bounced back. One of the things I've pointed out a lot about, about, and if I was John Gray or his agent, I was saying, find me the list of guys who pitched in Coors Field for a long period of time, been good or, or decent, had a really bad year, and then were ever heard from again. <laughs> It's a very short list. Jorge De La Rosa's on that list. John Gray's on that list. It's very short, yeah. End, end of list. You know, with the Marquez signing, you have to remember that he um, had a little over uh, two years of service time. So he was essentially receiving the league minimum. And at that point, and the same thing is, is true for Gray now, but he's much farther down the line, is that when you go to arbitration, that money's not guaranteed. So if Herman Marquez needs Tommy John surgery and misses this season or next season or 2021, whatever it is, now when he goes to arbitration, that's going to affect the amount of money he's going to get. So you could project all day and say, you know what, I'm going to go to arbitration. You're like Trevor Bauer and you say, I want to be in those meetings. I want to try to get every dollar and dime I can get. Well, if you have a down season or if you're injured, that's going to now impact how much money you get. Even if you were fantastic when healthy, it doesn't matter. Some of it is cumulative. So the deal that Marquez took was essentially saying, you know what? I can make more in arbitration, but you know what? I got to worry about that every single year. And what if what if my shoulder is a little bit bum and I got elbow issues? I'm going to have to pitch through that potentially so I can get my money in arbitration the next year, the year after that, and the year after that. But if I take a deal like this, now I've got guaranteed money. Now I know how much I'm making in 2020. 21, 22. And now I can kind of relax a little bit and just kind of do my thing. And, and the organization is going to maybe treat me a little bit differently because they might not push me quite as much because they can see the forest through the trees and understand that, you know what, this is now a long-term deal. Let's really make sure that, you know, we take care of our investment a little bit more. When you're, on, you're just going year to year with arbitration, you're not as much of it as, uh, as an investment. So you know, Gray being essentially one year away after 2021, he can taste that free agent money, right? He's right there. He's there's going to be no real hometown discount, right? Like you said, Drew. If I think I think there will be actually. He likes it here, um, and and I I also think he's one of those guys that's not. He's never had particularly big eyes for the big city or the big spotlight, like. That's true. I, I so I I don't think like if he get, I mean I, look he, if you get an offer and, and he knows he needs to get paid what he needs to get paid so I'm not going that far but I, I do think that if the offers were relatively close but the Rockies were a little bit less and he believed he could win here with his guys he would take that I believe he would give them a a bit of a hometown discount probably not much of one that's uh, where not the way Freeland would yeah uh, for that's where. That's where it gets hard too, right? Once a guy, once a guy becomes a free agent, anything can happen, right? Right. And, right. And Tom Glavin was a guy who he didn't want to sign with the New York Mets. 
He didn't want to play with them. He wanted to go back to Atlanta where his buddies were. Yeah. But he was a union guy, right? He was he was a guy that that fought. He was there in the strike in 94 and the lockout in 95. And what was good for his brethren in the Players Association was to get the most money as possible. So he signed, uh, a, I think it was a four-year deal with the Mets at that time, even though the Braves were offering just a little bit less. And he was going back home. But he did what he had to do. So it's the same thing. If Even if someone does offer a little bit more, that is more money for the agent. So maybe the agent is going to be very persuasive. That is why you hey, don't there was, guys- a, there, there was a player for the Rockies, and I'm not going to tell you who, but you know, on, on a day when uh, we were going around and kind of collecting fluff quotes on Herman Marquez signing okay. this new deal that's great for the team and probably in all reality a huge lifestyle change and upgrade for Herman Marquez. And so it was easy to sell it as a win-win. I talked to one player who just declined to go on record and um, didn't particularly enjoy that because of a lack of leverage. Marquez had to settle for less than what he's worth. And you look at his numbers and you look at what he's going to get paid. And if he does anything close to what I think he's going to do over the next couple of years, he'll be one of the best bargains in baseball. And that's great for the Rockies. And that's great from our analytical standpoint. Not quite sure if if, uh, Drew's reception is a little bit wacky right now, but those of you that have have followed along with our Ken Burns baseball, the DNVR watches, you know about the history of free agency. You know about the reserve clause and players who have been well-paid slaves, right? That's what Kurt Flood called it, Um, it, but they are indentured servants. Yeah, they're making good money. They're... but the average income was for a male, right? And now we're up to about 50 times, right? So um, contracts have gone through the roof. But, you know, much like like Drew is, is saying about, you know, Herman Marquez, he did right by his family. And, and you know, you, you I'm not someone in a position that can say that was a bad choice, right? Because, you know, you got to take care of your family, right? And if you're making... 80% of what you would have had you gone through arbitration or gone into free agency, shoot, 80% of a dream come true is pretty fantastic, right? You think about, you know, winning the lottery and a lot of people, uh, you know, they'll, they usually just take the lump sum straight up because, Hey, I, I'd rather just have all the money now, even though it's actually less than taking an annual income, getting an annual check that gives, ends up paying you more money. But instead, you take the deal in which you get all the money up front, even though it's not the most. So Marquez did what was best for his family. Same thing. If you want to look at, talk about not great contracts, welcome back, Drew. Um, Ronald Acuna took a deal last year. Pretty good. Not, not what he, he would have made in arbitration. Even if he had just waited one more year, he probably would have, would have experienced about 150% increase. And then the deal that Ozzy Albies signed was kind of a mockery. And, and I spoke with, with uh, someone too in the clubhouse that day and uh, that Ozzy Albies signed his extension. And that was even more egregious because he was an all-star and, you know, he was, uh, he was even closer to free agency than Acuna was at the time. So, you know, when, when it comes down to it, sometimes you, 
Are you going to do right by your family? Are you going to do right by your heart? Are you going to do right by the union and and by the guys that have sacrificed before you to even put you in that place? So it's, it's one of the reasons why you want to lock up guys early and ahead of time. If you're an organization, because once they can sniff free agency, it's problematic. Rockies did it with Charlie Blackman a year before free agency. They did it a year early with Nolan Arenado and, and maybe even though they didn't, they didn't make the move last year as we kind of had expected, maybe they're, they're waiting for the same thing with story and Greg. They're waiting for a one year off, like with Blackman and Arenado. I think they'll at least make the attempt. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but Hey, if you want to be prepared for all of your contract negotiations and all of these contract negotiations, you can get prepared by MSU Denver online. They give an awesome, rigorous, and most importantly, affordable online education taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Head over to msudenver.edu slash online. Check out the over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes that they offer. It's a complete full program from beginning to end. Uh, You can transfer your work to other schools to get your degree done if that's what you're looking for. Uh, there's all kinds of phenomenal online courses that you can take. Uh, they, I've been really just amazed by how many you would think it would be limited because it's online. It was way back in the day when I was in school, Patrick. But these days, you can teach just about anything online. And more than 80% of MSU Denver alumni are right here in Denver, big supporters of the local communities. So, and, they, and they've been doing yeah. online classes for a while, long yeah. before all right. this business went down, right? We know there's schools all across the nation and high school, college, universities, community colleges that they're just now trying to figure out the online stuff because right. you have to do it that way. You just have to. Right. MSU has been doing this for so dang long that they are ready to go. Like, like Drew said, numerous, countless different options for you. Check it out. Get yourself smarter this summer. Let's face it. What else are you going to do? Exactly. You got time this summer. You can head over to msudenver.edu slash online. Check out all the fantastic programs that they've got to offer. Uh, get yourself ready to attack the world in all kinds of new ways once it's safe to go back out there into it again. Uh, let's hop back into the Rockies conversation with some more questions we got here from our guys filling up the comment section, Will and Tommy, we appreciate you. We love you. Um, we love to see you asking the questions. So, so Will getting us kind of back on our future GMing fantasy uh, <laughs> situation here, saying, so let's say Tyler Nevin or Ryan Valade or Taryn Vavra in two or three years can put up 75% of what Arenado does, but at league minimum. Um, and and the other thing that I'll throw into what Will is suggesting here, too, is there's even a stopgap. You don't have to rely entirely on Tyler Nevin, Ryan Blade, and Taryn Vavra, who are all at this point intriguing but unknown. I mean, they're still uh, – none of those guys have played even at the AA level yet, have they? Or certainly not above, but have they Just even Nevin. played – Nevin's Nevin. played at AA in, in a little bit, yeah. Uh, so – that's a lot of future projection, but you've got Ryan McMahon. Ryan McMahon. Oh, Ryan McMahon. Colton He's, Welker. And Colton Welker. And while you've got those two, 
if you're like, well, what about second base? That's where Garrett Hampson and Brandon Rogers come into play. And that's why I don't think the Rockies are nearly as screwed, especially when it comes to young players in their farm system or however you want to measure it, as a lot of people think, because of this setup and because that allows you to pick one. If you think it's Trey Nolan, because between Ryan McMahon, Tyler Nevin, Ryan Belade, and Colton Welker, someone's going to play third base, do it for as you mentioned, if not league minimum, uh, a tenth of the cost it's going to cost you for Nolan Arenado, and then you can go get pitchers or whatever with that money or keep Trevor Story or David Dahl or whoever that goes to. If it turns out maybe it might even be Ryan McMahon, which is one way this wouldn't work. Um, <clears throat> but that's a, a better case scenario too. He won't become that expensive until at least a little bit later. It buys you a little bit of time. So um, you, you can go either way with that. Uh, though I, I do think this is another reason why story is the less tradable commodity. You're 100% right. You're going to get more back for him in a trade, Patrick. I can't, I can't disagree with you there, but I think it's just, you know, I, I don't see anybody in the system who I think could step in and give you 75% of Trevor story at shortstop, uh, especially defensively with Rogers shoulder issues Um I just don't see it. I don't see another shortstop in the system anywhere close to it. Where these third basemen, you know, McMahon's days of playing shortstop are behind him. McMahon at third could be 80% of Nolan Arenado. Who knows? Oh. Yeah, I, I think the ceiling on McMahon is is pretty high. It could even potentially be 90%, right? And that, like as, like you said, it, it does free second base up, you know, for Rodgers, Hampson, and any, any number of the uh, the middle infielders uh, that they, they've got coming through the pipeline. So, yeah, Nolan Arenado. You know, we, we saw it this this off season when Jeff Breidich started uh, choosing his words uh, poorly. I think he would probably go back and, and say that. Uh, <laughs> Might answer did, those questions differently. Yeah, he was asked them today. I think you're right. I yeah, you're right. and 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 I think the fact that Nolan does have an opt out coming up that that reduces his value so now you you, you don't have the same leverage that you would have normally uh, in a trade and uh and that that hurts his value so again you're going to get more for trevor story probably on one year right if, if if a deal was was struck at the end of the 2020 season um and and you're only getting a guy for one year that's going to be a solid pack, package. It's probably similar to what the Dodgers gave up for Mookie Betts, right? Um, do the Rockies get that much for Nolan Arenado? I don't think so. They, they might be able to get that uh, from him or for him, I should say, if he decides to stay with the franchise and does not opt out, right? Once we get to those final five years and it's like, okay, he's staying put, now perhaps we're – in an area in which you could see the Rockies get back really good value because sure he's going to be 30, 31 by that point. But, you know, I, I think, I think no one was really set up to have a monster year this season. When we talked to him at the end of last year, he said, I, I, I think I've only scratched the surface. You know, he, he really committed himself the last off season. He dropped a lot of unnecessary weight for a guy who just signed a lifetime deal and was like, cool, I can kind of sit back a little bit, a little bit, or I can at least just do what I've been doing. He didn't. He went one step beyond that because I think he understood, you know what? Now I'm in, I'm in a different ring. I'm in a different, different level 
all time. And you know what? I want to be one of those all time, no doubt guys. And I can even do it here in Colorado. Say what you will about Todd Helton. Say what you will about, you know, forcing Larry Walker to potentially go to uh, an era committee ballot to get into the Hall of Fame. He, he didn't care about that. He worked his butt off last offseason. He did it again this offseason. And, you know, the best is yet to come, I think. Not, not six more years of the best, but I think two or three more years where he outproduces what he did this past What season. he's done so far, even. I, I totally agree. I 100% agree. And that's why and, – and, and this is going to sound like a weird 2020 justification for my justification for the Rockies offseason. But it's part of the reason why I would be doing – now, I would have tried to add more around the edge. We don't know what Jeff Breidich tried to do, actually, but I would have maybe been a bit more aggressive. And I certainly would have come out and talked to people and said, hey, look, we tried to do some stuff. It didn't work out. People don't always love to hear that. But at least telling people, like, yeah, we tried to add some pitching. We tried to do whatever. Um, but ultimately, there is very little wiggle room. And if you want to keep the band together – the the mode for going into this season, whether it was going to be a super weird one or not, was to see how it came together or not and go from there. Know what you've got a bit more in Kyle Freeland and John Gray and Herman Marquez. It really starts there. Seeing if it does look like Nolan's taking another step forward and Trevor's taking another step forward and Charlie's going to age nicely and Dahl and McMahon are going to continue to progress and one of these other young guys becomes a thing – now you're looking at a team that can get off to a start that can maybe add, that can start to shed some of their, their dead salary early. They're not going to be able to add too much, but then they're in a position next offseason and they can start signing guys to extensions. They, there is a scenario where they can keep the band together, but they have to win. They have to win pretty much right away, regardless of whenever we start again, whether we have games this year or whether this year just gets wiped off the map when we start with 2021. They got to come out firing. But I do think if they do that, there's a way they keep this team together. It's just, it's kind of, as we said before, so much was riding on the next 20. This is how it's a, a lot is riding on the next 30 baseball games the Colorado Rockies play whenever they play them, or 40 baseball games. Because if those go really well, I think you look at solidifying this team as it is and continuing to tinker around the edges going forward several years if you can. Maybe you lose one of these core pieces, but that's it. Um, if it goes the other way, you could be looking at all kinds of tearing down and, and moving apart so that you don't end up in a situation where you're starting to rebuild because you had to trade Nolan Arenado, but you, you, the guys that you got for Nolan don't help you enough to put you over the top. And now you're wasting the last couple of years of Trevor's story. Now you got to trade him because you don't want to get nothing for him. And that snowballs real John Gray too. It can all happen real fast. You're, you're signing them all or you're trading them all. I think pretty quickly. That's the scariest thing for Rockies fans is that there's a reality where after, like you said, 30 games, 30 to 60 games, the next that are played, right? And, and unfortunately, that might be 2021. But after the after you know the month of May in 2021, it could be breaking up the band, right? If you're a Rockies fan, you might be really saddened if Arenado gets traded. And well, you don't want to get nothing for Trevor Story, so you trade him, and maybe you trade John Gray, maybe you trade two out of the three of the guys 
to a contender who really blow you away with a good offer with some major league talent, right? You look at the deal that the Diamondbacks got for Paul Goldschmidt and, and they were able to get major league talent. They got Luke Weaver and, and Carson Kelly and, and they got some good contributors, uh, no superstars, but you know, they were, they were able to get enough where they felt good about the deal. And it's, it's going to be sad for fans if the Rockies don't get off to that start because it could be, you know, you got to get, get something. You got to get, you got to get something. And uh, I, I don't know what their reaction is going to be at that point, unfortunately. Yeah. But if it goes the other way, uh, they'll, the money will come off from the players who you've all been throwing your remote at the television. Every time they come up to plate or, or take the mound, those, those monies all come off. That's the good news over the next two years. If you're looking for the, you know, Oh my God, are we going to have to lose the core? If the team can keep their heads above water, you start giving all the money that you've been paying to Ian Desmond and Wade Davis and Brian Shaw and Jake McGee um, and Daniel Murphy to all these players that we've been talking about or to most of these players that we've been talking about. Yeah, you're going to have to get some of them to work with you a little bit if you want to keep it together. But to stay on a winner, these guys will do it. That's what it comes back to, right? To stay on a winner. And if you can say, hey, we've been winners now three out of four years that's a super compelling argument. If it's two out of four, that eh, seems like a flip of the coin, right? I'm curious how we, in the us in the journalism industry and, and media, how are we going to phrase? Oh, right. Does that count as three out of four years? Yeah. It's going to be this weird. Um, it's going to be this weird verbiage that we're going to have to use. Three out of four full seasons. You know, like all of these right. qualifiers. We have to use a lot right. of qualifiers. Oh, Nolan Arenado has, you know, hit 30 home runs for six consecutive full seasons. Right. I mean, full seasons. Like, yeah, seasons. No, yeah. no, because that wasn't a full season. You know, they played right. uh, a round robin double, elision, double <laughs> elimination, um, you know, tournament home run. Yeah, Nolan hit 12 home runs in 2020. Weird. Yeah. 37, 40, 41, 41, 37. 12 <laughs> asterisk asterisk yeah, right. he hit those 12 in the four games of the regular season and then they immediately right. went into the playoffs right. it's like oh my god those 12 home runs were actually the most impressive power <laughs> display we've ever seen in the he game. only had 12 at bats so <laughs> he was on pace to hit 3,000 home runs that year over the course of a normal season uh all right, I think that's as good a place as any to, to wrap this thing up. Oh, one, we did have one last question here I wanted to get to um, because Tommy asked if the Rockies do end up trading the only player I see staying all the way through is Charlie Blackman. But the question was, and, and I think that that's true, actually. I think Charlie will be around. Um, do the do I think the Rockies – do we think the Rockies could trade Arnauto to the Cardinals for prospects Matthew Libertor and Yvonne Herrera? Um, that, I think that's the kind of thing that Patrick was saying. You know, it's going to be real difficult for them to pull off with the lack of leverage for Arenado. Libertor is probably um, a bit much to ask for. What I will say, where I think you know, you kind of compared it to the the Mookie Betts thing. Again, in a normal season where the Rockies would have leverage here, is that teams will get a bit more antsy at a trade deadline. And the Rockies have been good at swinging stuff at deadlines when when they've had to and, and and selling properly. And I think a team that's desperate because there's all kinds of trades that happen at, at trade deadlines. And the question is this, does acquiring this guy 
put you over the top? Or are you a team that was maybe going to battle for your division? And now that you're acquiring player X, your favorites to win the World Series. The Astros kind of did that when they acquired Justin Verlander. Like, yeah, that guy puts you over the top. Um, a team like the Cardinals, who's on pace in a regular season to say win their typical 89 or 90 games, whatever the Cardinals almost always win, but they don't have Nolan Arenado, and third base is a problem, and they don't have it. You, you do you move? Do you? They move their top pitching prospect in that scenario for a guy that probably wins them the World Series. They might. They might do that. Yeah. But you you need those chips to line up for you. The Rockies can't make that happen. That's the problem. You're you're trying to thread a tight needle there. Yeah, I think it's. I think the off season is probably the time of year where you might get the most for a prospect, but not every time. On paper, a lot of GMs do prefer to wait for the offseason because now you've got every team, right? You don't just have the contenders. Um, you've got every team trying to get in on this superstar. But you're right. Come trade deadline, if, if there's a weakness, you're going to do what you got to do, especially for a once-in-a-generation player like Nolan Arenado, where you're going to make that trade because you know prospects are cool, but parades are cooler. And that's how you're going to operate. And you got to get Nolan Arenado. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, Breidich maybe put those feelers out or at least, you know, I think listen when someone called, you know, you call a guy and say, Hey, by the way, you're going to trade Nolan Arenado. And up to this point, he's like, very funny. All right. So seriously, um, you know, who you like from our double a, you know, we've got too many guys coming from Lancaster in our outfield, you know, you want to make a move on one of those guys and they continue the conversation. But I think this year he goes, Maybe. I don't know. What are you thinking? And it's like, whoa, okay, hold on. That changes the landscape a little bit. Obviously, he didn't move. I don't think anything was really even offered out there, even by the Cardinals, who are one of the contenders. But I think that lays the work of like, okay, so St. Louis is going into the season knowing that they don't have to get production out of third base because they can always go and make that deal with the Rockies. As far as a guy like Yvonne Herrera, you know, he's a catching prospect. And, man, those guys are always so suspect. You just never know what you're going to get with a catching prospect. And I think the Rockies like their guys. You know, they, they, they found a real diamond in the rough with Tony Walters. Why would they need to necessarily do that again with a top prospect from somebody else's farm system? So I don't know. I think they, they think that they've got one with Dom Nunez too. And I know people roll their eyes at that and have fed me for literal four five, six years now, but I think Dom Nunez is a guy. And anyone saying like, oh, well, they're not treating him like that. They brought in uh, Elias Diaz and he was going to be, well, again, some of that is just about, you know, you know, keeping a guy's service time down just a little bit. I don't know that's necessarily uh, everything, but you want to develop a guy slowly. And if, hey, if, if Nunez has options, send him down, right? It, it's, it's the exact same story exactly. of what happened in 2018 when everyone was worried about, oh, why is Parra on this roster? Oh, why is cargo on this roster? Well, because if you put Dahl and Tapia in the outfield, who's on your bench? Who do you have now in AAA coming up? Nobody. So keep the veterans for the time being as a placeholder. And then the young guys, if they come up and knock those guys out of their spots, well, then there you go. It's a win-win situation when you do that. But if you say, all right, Dom, you got the backup job. Now, you're going to be, you're going to be seeing a lot more Drew Butera during the season again, because the guys in AAA aren't quite ready. Brian, exactly. Sergeant, Trabago, not there yet. 
That's what I'm saying. That's what was so weird about that to me. It was like the Rockies had to bring Elias Diaz. It was like the perfect answer to this question. It was like yeah. a veteran who can hit, but who in no real tangible way blocks Dom Nunez, right? Like maybe at the beginning of the season. I think that's how it was going to shake out, especially with Elias hitting like 470 <laughs> in spring, whatever he yeah. was doing. Like and he, with one strikeout, it's like, this is perfect. He's a natural platoon artist who rakes against lefties. He doesn't strike out a lot, so he's going to be a tough out in the eight spot. He'll take his walks. I thought the catching was fine. Not great. Fine. Uh, and yeah, then he's right there to either slide into just a veteran spot. To, he was just an upgrade over Drew Butera, and it was such a weird... <laughs> yeah. People who, who thought Butera somehow was going to win the spot, I was like, "Yeah, love Drew." But come on. Yeah, by by having Nunez in AAA, you essentially have three major league catchers on your forty man roster, right? You you oh. put Nunez, uh, you put Nunez as the backup. Now you don't have that third one, right? And you are now forced to go with unproven commodities, as I mentioned with Servin, Robago, um, and and so you know. A deal for for Nolan. We don't really know what what it would look like, even with uh, uh, Matthew Liberatore. You know, he hasn't pitched above the high pitching. A level, and he's pitching. he's got he's got a way to go. It would right. be fantastic to see Freeland, Rollison, and Liberatore in the same rotation. Three lefties, you know, dominating the LA Dodgers in a couple seasons. That would be incredibly exciting. I don't think the Rockets have had you know trio lefties like that before. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that there's just no 2020 season every time it, comes I know, that, I know. it hasn't happened yet. And I don't have any reason to think that it will, but we can keep hoping we can keep thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, until they tell us one way or the other, we're, we're speculating right along with everybody else but it's you know in the meantime we can only look at the chips as they are on any yeah. given day and and uh it's been good actually talking baseball again man like i've actually loved all of our conversations on old games and and doing the documentary and we still got to wrap that up a little bit more and um uh, we've got some other fun things i want to do on the podcast too but yeah just kind of talking about the team again and, and thinking about the season and just the x's and o's and the contract stuff felt yeah. good it's been a minute become- it's kind of become like a new off season in a sense, right? Cause we we've taken a break we were looking at 2020 and what should they do with here and there? And now we're like, okay, well, since we don't know what's going to happen, we do know 2021 is right around the corner, right? right. Not literally because it's only April, but it's, it's around the corner because <laughs> hey, <like. laughs> games are not going to be played until at least July 1st, probably right. way past that. But we're essentially looking at the last half of 2020. So, Hey, let's start, you know, theorizing what could could happen in the future with Arenado, Story, and Gray, who come, you know, the final out of the World Series in 2021 could potentially no longer be Colorado Rockies. So that is why you got to tune to DNVR Rockies and DNVR Sports because we're going to have all those takes to get you ready for, you know, the sports apocalypse. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> Whichever way it goes. Uh- All right, so make sure you're following along on all the social media at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Uh, Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. Uh, Try to swing by whenever. Just make sure you're following us because we're doing live videos here and there uh, in the evenings. We've also got a Twitch channel. We do stuff 
live there too. We've got the gaming going on, but not just video games. We're also going to have fun family games that we can all play together. Uh, sometimes these podcasts will be there. Uh, sometimes old games are going to be there. So that's going to be fun and interesting once we figure out uh, the best way to make that happen so that we can all watch them really together. So uh, yeah, make sure you continue to drink Breck Brew, stay manscaped, take care of your Mile High Green Cross situation because you're inside and, and those are the three most important things that you can do. <laughs> That's so for Patrick Lyons, I've been Drew Creaseman. You've all been absolutely awesome. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.